One of the things I really enjoy about Church Project is somehow God has brought us incredible musicians. And uh, James and Allie, thank you for leading us this morning. If you, if, if you don't know, would you mind flipping on that light, Jason? Thank you. If you don't know, uh, they have a band called Lorette, and they're, they're pretty good. Just got your CDs. You got your CDs? How come I don't have one? Oh, they came in a box. You have one. Okay, bring them. Bring them. So, so, so you can buy Ashita CDs or Lorette CDs. That's pretty awesome. Um, one thing you, don't, you might or might not know about James and Allie is they are on the 14th getting on a plane and going all the way to Bangladesh to live for an amount of time. Who knows how long that's going to be? Uh, but they're going to just live as missionaries in Bangladesh. And so, church, I would encourage you. They just started raising uh, support. So if that's something that you want to get behind and help them for, just see James and Allie afterwards. I hope that's okay. I'm telling everyone to come give you money. So if you want to, uh, go, feel, free, feel free to do that. It's good to partner behind people that are taking the gospel around the world and even in Greeley. And so um, we're excited that they're going, but we're going to miss them as well. So, hey, today, would you open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10? Verses 17 through 24 is, is what we're going to look through today. I'm very excited uh, for, for these, these verses right here. If you don't have a Bible, there's one over on the lamp. Lauren will, Lauren will throw you one um, if, if you need one. But please have the Bible open up because these verses are very, very powerful today. We talked a little bit about joy, and I, and I asked, do you have joy in your life? And not happiness, like if you've ever played with words and all that, well, happiness and joy, what's the difference between the two, right? Joy is so deep. Um, joy isn't, isn't on the circumstances of life and what's happening. I mean, you could be going through bad things in life, but you still have a joy down in your heart that's deep. And so if you know the love of Jesus Christ, that joy is there even when you're going through hard stuff. So Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 24 is what we're going to go through. Let me read through it. And then we'll begin to just see and unpack what God may have for us today. Verse 17 of Luke chapter 10. The 72 returned with joy. Some of your versions may say the 70. The 70 returned with joy. And said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Verse 21. Isn't that good, by the way? I can't wait to get to that verse, but we'll come back to it. Let's go on to verse 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, Because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 23. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Whoa, I had fun with these verses. 
I had fun sitting with these verses and seeing what God has, was showing me personally. So let me give you a little insight into my personal world today and what God has shown me in these verses. As, as I opened up the Bible and, and looked at verse 17, I didn't have to go very far before I hit pause and just ask God to reveal his truth to me in this. And so if you look at it, the 72 returned with joy and automatically I hit pause right there, returned with joy. Why did they return with joy? And what did they return from? Well, if you look previously, what were they doing? They were ministering. They had gone to the cities. They were telling people about the love of Jesus Christ. They returned from that ministry, from that mission with what? Joy. But here's a conflict for me. Because how many of us in our life love to do ministry? Whatever ministry is, we could play with that word for a while. Let me give you an example, okay? So I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. We would have hundreds of youth, youth students come through. And, and there's a lot of excitement when you're working with youth, isn't there? There's a ton of excitement when you're working with youth, and it's, and it's exciting. And I got to be a part of some really cool stuff. Some of our, our students that we had in the youth ministry right now, one of them went to Princeton Seminary. He's brilliant. I mean, he's a smart guy. He's, he's a pastor. He just got ordained. He's a pastor. We have students that grew up in our ministry that are missionaries, that are, that are all around the world. We have students that grew up in our, in our ministry that are working professionals, making gobs of money, and I send them support letters often we have we have we had students in all they, they've grown up and and the people the students that grab the love of God in their life they went all around the world they're doing all sorts of stuff some people some of the ladies are stay-at-home moms which man I'm glad that wasn't for me because I couldn't do it you know like they're they're all over the place and they're doing what God had put their hands to do like they're doing ministry what life do you live where do you go tomorrow morning when you wake up where do you go what do you do when you go home from today, when you're living your life? What ministry has God put in your life? Because as we are living a life, it's, it's a ministry that God's given us. Would you agree? People all around Greeley need to hear the love of Jesus Christ. The cashier at Walmart this morning was a little hungover, so I don't think she would have heard anything I had to say about Christ. But... People need to hear the love of Christ everywhere that we go. And these, these disciples, they, they returned, and they returned with joy because ministry is exciting. It's watching someone's life come alive that's exciting. I love the moment in student ministry especially, and in adults, we kind of get this facade where we're not supposed to act excited, and we're not supposed to show our life change in front of everyone, so we kind of protect ourselves, but I love that moment in a student's life when, when we'd be telling them about the love of God, and they would grab it. They'd be like, yes, for the first time, they realize it. Their face is just tears. They're like, yes, like life change, and we get to see it with our eyes, but we get jaded and protected as we get old, and we're not supposed to do that. No, let's do that, church, please. Please. When we encounter Jesus in the Bible, I don't care how old you are. Some of my favorite times of encountering Jesus in the Bible is sitting with my grandpa, who's, who, how old are you now? 86, 87? 70. 87. 87. I was like, you're not 70 yet. <laughs> A man that's walked with God and you see love in his eyes. Why do we protect ourselves from, ex from letting the love of God come off our face, come out of our mouth, off our hands? 
See, ministry is exciting, and when God's doing things in your life, it's so exciting, especially when you get to see people around you come to know God for the first time, or come alive, or broken from addictions, or whatever God's doing in their life. When you get to watch the gospel lived out in other people's lives, and it's coming from the ministry that God's given you, there's nothing better than that. You experienced that? These disciples, they're coming back from ministry, and they are full of joy. Which, by the way, can I go on a little side, a li- a little side note right here? This is why we do expository teaching here at Church Project. What does that mean? That's why we've been going through Luke since January. And we're going to continue to do that. I- I've done topical teaching before. Where we come and I give you three points and we use Bible verses all over the place to tie it together and you leave with an application point and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. However, what I've found is when we can use even the teaching of ministry to teach others, all of us, how to unpack the Bible and learn what God has in our life, it's brilliant. Why would you come to church to get fed so you could go, not know how to feed yourself, and come back on Sunday to get fed again. That's a broken system. I'm not that smart, and I'm not that good, and our church is not that good. See, the system that God has set up is that each and every one of us would dive into this scripture. I mean, dive into this scripture personally. Like we believe it, like it's changed our life. And this is, by the way, the source of all joy. So are you. Are you grabbing that scripture? Tonight, will you sit with it? Tomorrow morning, will you sit with it? This is joy. This is good. I love this stuff. So they returned with joy from doing ministry. But why did they return with joy? They they had seen God do some incredible things. And not only that, if you're in sales, you know that they believed in what they were sailing. Selling, sailing, sell, selling. What What they were saying, they believed it. Here's an illustration. We, we were married for maybe a year. Well, less than a year because Lauren was pregnant with Zoe. And we were about to have our, our first child. And we lived in a single wide trailer in Pueblo, Colorado. And we didn't make a ton of money, but we were eating and we were doing okay. And along comes a Kirby salesman. You like that, Chad, huh? Did you buy a Kirby too? Kirby vacuum cleaner. We're, we're, we're sitting there, you know, we don't, we don't even have a lot of nice stuff. And, you know, the Kirby vacuum cleaner comes in, and he was going to give us something free, so we let him in. P.S., don't ever do that, okay? So, so, so we let the Kirby vacuum cleaner in, uh, salesman in, and, and he comes into our house, and he says, okay, see this spot of carpet? I want you to vacuum it for five minutes with your vacuum cleaner, the one we already had. So we did it, and, right? He's like, okay, are you satisfied? Is that clean? We're like, yeah, it's really clean. And, and he goes, okay, now let me show you something. And then he took the Kirby vacuum cleaner, he put a black filter in it and went over it once with his vacuum cleaner, and then he took the filter out, which was black, and there was white stuff all over it. And we're like, oh! And then he, he's, he, he points to Lauren because he's beautiful, and he goes, your first child's going to be crawling around in this. We're like, oh, come on, <laughs> Right? Like, how am I supposed to be a good dad if I don't buy this $1,200 vacuum cleaner? But don't worry, I talked him down to like $900, so it was worth it. He believed in what he was selling. Like, he totally believed in what he's selling. And if you're in sales, you know that that's one of the first things that you got to have is, is you, have to, you have to know that your product is good and it's worth selling. 
well, this isn't a salesmanship here, but it's a life change. The disciples, they believed in the message, the gospel, the love. They believed in it. And they believed in it so much that they took it to the towns, to the cities, wherever they went. They took this message. And not only that, God used them. Wow, that's incredible to think that God used them to do ministry. So they came back, and they are pumped up. They are full of joy. Do you believe that life with Christ is the best life? How many people have you told? How do you share this gospel message? Can people see it in your eyes? Is your intent to show people the love of Jesus Christ? If it's changed us, let's help it change other people. They believed in this message. God did something with them. They came back and they were filled with joy. I had to do a lot of just thinking on this, verse 17, by the way. One of the things that I was warned in, minute, in going into seminary was that you're going to turn into just an intellect. You're going to lose heart. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I hope not, right? And I, then I encountered a, a statement, and I said it last week, but I want to say it again today. Do we read the Bible to master it? Or do we read the Bible to be mastered by it? Are we in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do we talk with him, pray with him, study his Bible, walk with him so we can figure him out like, like he's some puzzle piece that we can put together and once we got it and we understand God, guess what? We will never fully understand God so why are we even attempting that? No, we don't read the Bible and have a relationship with Jesus to master him. We do it so he will master us and he will come alive in us. This is good, by the way. This is good stuff. This is joy. And the disciples got this. They understood this. Let's go on to verse 18. So the disciples came back. They're like, man, we saw some neat stuff, God. They were filled with joy. Jesus, we saw it, filled with joy. The demons, they submitted to us in your name. Pretty neat, pretty powerful. Get to verse 18. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. We'll stop right there. Just go with me on this, okay? And if it's wrong, then I'll die instantly on the spot and, and don't ever repeat what I'm about to say. But I would just wonder, this is me and my, more, my warped thinking, and Ray, it's okay to smile when I say this, okay? I wonder if the disciples came back and they're like, Jesus, we saw all sorts of cool stuff. We saw demons cast out by your name. And he's like, oh yeah? Well, and then he one-ups them. I saw Satan fall from heaven. Boom! drops the mic and walks off the stage. Okay, I don't think Jesus' intent was to one-up them, but he did, didn't he? Like, he totally one-upped them. He goes, yeah, that's awesome. But keep in mind, humans, that I saw Satan himself fall from heaven. There's so much power, and I've given you that power. Some of us are going to go buy snakes and scorpions after reading this, and that's not the case. Okay, don't take it literally. Do not do that. What he is saying is, I've given you power over the enemy. Nothing can harm you. And if I am in the center of it, there is nothing you cannot do. You see, you were casting out demons in my name. Great. I cast out Satan from heaven. 
awesome. You have power and authority over the enemy. He refers to, if you think back to Genesis 3.15, right here. And Genesis 3.15 says this, And I will put enmity, I don't even know how to say that, but it must mean strife or something, between you and the woman and between the offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. From the very beginning of Genesis, we see that there is a conflict between man and between Satan. And Jesus right here is saying, guess what? I have power and authority over all that. And as you, my disciples, you have that power. And you've been rescued from this relationship of hate with Satan. Here's a thought. Don't play with it too much because it'll mess your head up a little bit. Because I've thought about it a lot. (laughs) Christians, we are the only ones that live in the past, present, and future. Let me say it again. Jason gave me that perplexed look. We're the only ones that live in the past, present, and the future. See, we are forgiven, we are forgiven, and we are forgiven. Right? We are alive. This temporary body will die one day. Do we die? We continue. And we live with Jesus, who is alive. When I think of the love of Jesus Christ... And I think about how even in the Bible it matches up so well. Genesis, Jesus says there's going to be strife between you and Satan. And then we see here in in Luke that we're reading right here that, that we've overcome that with the power of Jesus. And we say, God, thank you. Thank you that you gave us a solution to the problem. And the problem was separation from you. Thank you that you've forgiven us from sin. Jesus, I think, in this passage is, is kind of saying what Matthew Henry, a commentary guy, said, and I, and I loved reading it this week. He said this, I saw angels turn into demons by pride. Let me say that again. Matthew Henry said, I saw angels turn into demons by pride. And think about this. When, when Jesus, when God saw Satan thrown down like lightning, you know, from, from heaven, Why? They were filled with pride. They were angels. They became demons because of pride. Look how powerful pride is in our life. Look how powerful it is when we think that we can be God or be like God himself. Think about this. Pride is the reason that angels fell, that Satan fell from heaven. It's because he wanted to be God and we cannot be God. Scripture is designed to bring our focus back on our creator. All of scripture is designed so that our focus will go back onto our creator because all of us, we are built in with a pride and a wanting to be in charge of everything. And all scripture comes back to Jesus pointing to himself as creator, Lord, master. I'm glad that I am not in charge because it would not be good. This world would be messed up If I was in charge, all of scripture points back to Jesus. And yes, by the way, the scripture also points to our creator calling us back to him to be totally dependent on him. I'm not in charge of my day-to-day operations and what happens. See, Jesus loves us deeply. He's calling us into a relationship with him so we can run after him and chase after him. And I'm so excited for that. 
Because as Jesus saw Satan fall from heaven because he was full with, filled with pride, that'll be my tendency as well. When I take my focus off of Jesus. Let's go to verse 20 right here. However, Jesus is telling his disciples, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Why do we rejoice? What is the meaning of joy? Where do you find your joy? See, looking for joy in a great ministry, like casting out demons or being the best mom or dad there ever is or, or playing the stock market just right or leading a thousand people to Christ, is that where our meaning comes from? Is that where joy comes from? If we look for joy and meaning and purpose in anything other than Jesus Christ, we've lost it. See, Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 says this. You may be familiar with it. 23 scares me a little bit too. But this is what Matthew 7, 22 says. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Sounds like good stuff, right? Follow it up with verse 23. Jesus looks at him and says, I don't know who you are. Get away from me. Separation from God forever. How can that be? We did all these wonderful things for you, God. Like we cast out demons, we did all sorts of stuff. And he looks at us and he says, get away from me, I never knew you. If we find our purpose and our identity in what we do and in our ministries and how successful we are, we've lost it from the very beginning. Joy, if we find our joy in our relationships, they may end by separation, by death, by circumstances, if we find our joy in our status because we're the head honcho, just live a little longer, you won't be the head honcho. If we find our joy in our talents, well, there's going to be someone better than you most of the time. If we find our, our, our joy and our satisfaction and our purpose and our health, just keep living. <laughs> It'll start fading away. Ha! Ha! If we find our joy and our purpose, and our meaning, and other, in, in anything other than Jesus Christ. The real joy is that you and I have been saved from sin, that our names are written in the book of life, in the book of heaven. The real joy is that God himself encountered us. God, thank you for saving me. Can you say that? And just leave it at that? In church world, we like to build on that. Thank you for saving me, God. And then we get into all these wonderful things that we do for him. Are you okay with saying, God, thank you for saving me? And letting that deeply impact us? Don't rejoice in the how or what we do. Rejoice in the why. Why? Because God loves us. He's forgiven us. When was the last time you returned to that spot? 
that spot of realizing that away from God, we're nothing. And we found our joy there. We should not rejoice in the things we do for God. We should rejoice in the things God has done for us. We should not rejoice in the things that we do for God. We should rejoice in the things that God has done for us. See, he's done so much for us. Have you encountered this love for Jesus Christ? (coughs) Have you encountered this relationship with Jesus Christ? If we can return like a child to that point, where we're so thankful for what God has done for us, we're on track for his kingdom, for his love, for his purpose, for joy in our life. What words do you want to put there? If we ever think that we deserve and we're better than that, we better return back to our core. It's about Jesus and what he's done for us in our lives. If you will, look, look at this verse here. <coughs> Sorry, I'm so choked up, guys. Verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you in what you do, don't do, how successful you are. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. If you're a literary perfectionist, are written is a perfect passive indicative. It means it is a state of completion. Our names are written in the book of life when we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Done, deal, state of completion. We can talk theology after this if you want to. Let's go get coffee. Can you lose your salvation? Hmm. Can I give you a little hint right here? Invite me for coffee. I find great satisfaction in the perfect passive indicative and the state of completion that our names are written in the book of life. And I thank God for that. Because I know that my actions don't always line up with the way that God wants me to act (laughs) or has called me to. And I know that I rely on his grace daily. And I thank God for that. But I also, like the disciples, find much joy in what I do and God saying no What you do is going to be powerful because I want to be in you. But it's not about what you do. It's about who you are and what I've done for you. Where do you find your joy? Let's move on a little bit here to verse 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy. Why do you think he's full of joy? Anybody, why do you think he's full of joy? That's not fair. I asked you a question out loud. Okay. (laughs) At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, he's in relationship with his Father. He knows who his Father is. He knows how much his Father loves him. Do you? Do I? At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because... And then he goes on. And he talks a whole lot, a lot of powerful things. This is what I want to talk about, though, in verse 21. He says, I praise you because, and then he gives reason. I want to pause, and I want to go into a little illustration right now, okay? Here's Here's the illustration. You're at home in your apartment. Yes, we all live in apartments now. 
and you're having your morning coffee, and you're, you're praying to God, God, please give me money to pay this bill. And then guess what? At your door, <coughs> there's a knock. And you go and you, you open up the door, and someone hands you a $100 bill and just walks away. What do you do? It just covered the bill that you had to pay. What, what, do you, what do you feel right now? Complete joy, like amazement, like, God, thank you. You provided this $100 for me. Wow, pretty cool. So you go and pay your bill and live your day. The next day you wake up, there's another bill. You're like, God, what do I do? Ah, and you get the same knock at the door. You go out there and it's the same person. They hand you a $100 bill again. And you're, you're like, now you're teared up. You're like, why, why? I don't understand this. A $100 bill again? Really? Well, this pattern continues. Day after day, it continues. And you're amazed. You're blown away. You're crying. You don't know anything about this person. Why this $100 a day is coming? You're like, and then <clears throat> pretty soon, what, what started as like this amazing thing that God was doing in your life after month number one, you begin to almost expect that knock. And then at month number two and month number three, you're, you're like, okay, they usually knock at 8.03 and it's 8.04. Like, where's the knock? And you start getting numb to the knock. In fact, you, you even get numb to them handing you a $100 bill because you know that that $100 bill is coming. Right? And then month number five, you, you start playing the system. And you're like, okay. I know I can work less hours at the factory because there's going to be someone that knocks on my door. They're going to hand me $100. That adds up really quick. And so you can even begin to stop working a little bit. And now the very thing that was a gift, the very thing that started to be just this joy and this love that was in your heart, you begin to want it, need it, and depend upon it, and almost expect it to happen every day. You become numb to this $100 gift The ability to remember God's blessing in your life is the same thing. The ability to remain thankful for what God has done for us is the same thing. I've been a Christian for 30 years. Multiple times, I've expected that knock and I've, hand, I've had my hand out saying, God, give me that grace again. Give me that love. Give me that blessing. Give me that everything because you owe it to me. Really? Grace doesn't work that way. Love doesn't work that way. God says, I'm giving you this free. It's a gift and it's a love. And are you getting numb to it? Christians, are we getting numb to the things of God in our life? Guard our hearts, guard our mind from getting numb from God and what he's done in our life. We need to start out every day with a thankful heart. God, thank you for loving me. God, thank you for what you've done for me. Not what I'm about to go and do for you like you need me or anything, but God, thank you for what you've already done for me, for your love for me. God, thank you for knocking on my apartment door every day and giving me your love. Can you see yourself in the first scenario expecting that $100 bill? I could. What about this? Do we do the same thing spiritually with God? Let's not. When we skip first base and we go to second base, we're going to get tagged out. 
See, God's love for us is where everything starts. And when we put it into our actions, we've already missed first base. Does our motivation, our thankfulness drive us to good works? Here's another coffee conversation we can have, okay, about works and grace and all this stuff. I want to ask you this. Does our motivation, thankfulness, drive us to good works? Are we so thankful for God and what he's done in our life? Are we so thankful for that that it gives us such joy in our heart that we can't help but share it with other people and drives our works and what we do and how we love people? I want to I end really quick here. Go to Colossians 3, 15 through 17. And I'm going to read it out of the message uh, version simply because I, I loved the way the message put this, okay? Your Bible, of course, will be a little differently, so you can follow along and try to, try to see what it says, or you can just listen to the message version here. But I think this really wraps up and, and, and puts a nice little bow on what God's saying today about joy for us. Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17 says this, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other, None of this going off and doing your own thing and cultivating thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. <clears throat> Instruct and direct one, uh, one another using common, good common sense. And seeing, seeing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. When we depart from a heart of thankfulness, when we depart from the moment that we realized our sin was causing separation between God and ourselves, and He's given us that free gift, when we depart from that, we're going down a dangerous path. So I ask us today, are you and I living out of a heart of thankfulness and gratitude? Are we finding our joy in what God has done for us already? It goes on through verse 22, 23, 24, and you can, you can kind of go read this tonight, but here's a couple things I just want to point out and then we'll close it up here. God, through the Son, revealed himself to us we are blessed to see this side of the story of Jesus. Like there's people of the, of the Old Testament that never saw the side of the story of Jesus. They didn't have the full picture quite yet. Prophets of the Old Testament had the law and signs. We have life and freedom, which is incredible. You can begin to study this on your own. I wanted to drill home this though, and I want us to think on this today. We should not rejoice in the things we do for God. We should rejoice in the things that God has done for us. We should return to that place of thankfulness. We should find deep joy in the relationship of Jesus Christ. And I've said this before. I tell this to my girls. God doesn't love us because of what these hands do. God loves us simply because we have these hands, that he's made us. He points all creation to himself. My friend Jonathan spoke here a couple uh, months ago, if you remember him. He was a pastor in Pueblo, just moved to the East Coast. He's grown up, he's grown up in Colorado his whole life. But this morning, 
he finds himself at a church on the East Coast, pastoring an existing church. He's so excited. Everything's new. Sends me texts often. In fact, this morning he sent me a text, and he goes, I've grown up in Colorado my whole life, but this morning I woke up on the East Coast to a foot of snow. It's 67 degrees, and there's a heavy fog everywhere. He goes, it's beautiful. Well, he had never seen this. I've never seen it either. Maybe you have. But God is revealing to Jonathan, his, God is revealing his glory to Jonathan in the East Coast way right now. The same way that God is revealing his glory to us in a Greeley way today. In the same way that God will be revealing his glory to you guys as you go to Bangladesh. God is everywhere and all of creation is speaking to his glory and his love. Are we numb to that? Are we numb to the love that God has given each and every one of us? Make this be today about your relationship with God, not about anyone else outside. Your relationship with God. And what God does through that will be incredible. And when ministry in your life, you start seeing fruit and God starts doing cool stuff, you're going to return back to him with joy and say, God, thank you for what you've done with this ministry. Thank you for what you've done with this relationship. God, thank you that we were able to cast out demons in your name. Like, we are full of joy because God is bubbling in us. Amen? I want us to walk in this today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask James and Ali to come on up right now. This is your time with God. That's it. This is your time with God. Let me say that again. Be selfish. This is your time with God. Don't think about how the Broncos are doing right now. They're probably losing. Don't think about that. I'm joking. They're probably winning. Sorry. Jeez. Good night. Don't think about your roast burning. Don't think about any of this stuff. Think about this. God, Jesus, in the most simplest way possible, loves you. No, that's it. I'm not going to add any more to that. Are you okay with that? Pretty cool, huh? I'm going to ask us just to go into a time of reflection. Is the gospel story alive in you? Is it a great joy in you? Do we put more stock in how we're living our life instead of who we're living our life for? Is your name written in the book of life? Is your name written in heaven? Have you called on the name of Jesus? Have you asked him, said, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin and I want to live for you, God. Take control of my life. Have you done that today? maybe you should have a very honest conversation with God just where you're sitting right now and say God here's my life please take it I've been placing my joy in too many things that are superficial God I want to find my joy in you and in who you are and what you've already done are we thankful are we do we have hearts of joy are we thankful for what God has done for us we go into a time of just singing worship to him that's what the worship is for it's because we're thankful for what he's done how he's forgiven us how he loves us and so we worship God 
we say, God, thank you, thank you. You are holy, you are worthy, you are everything, you've forgiven me of everything, and for that, God, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. I want to ask you in this place to worship God. Maybe it's praying with Brant up here, someone next to you. Maybe it's standing and worshiping God. I'm not sure how you're going to worship God, but remember, it's about God, it's about you, and this relationship. God, I pray in this place that we'll be people with thankful hearts, that our joy will be found in you and nothing else. 